Today we are continuing our series called Brutiful. Uh, we all know life is brutal and it is beautiful at the same time. So how do we find the beauty in the most brutal things of life? This is what we've been talking about the last few weeks. If you've got a Bible, I want to encourage you in your neighborhood gathering, go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. This is, uh, predates Jesus. If you're new to the scriptures, this is in the Old Testament, so in the first half of your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, download version. Great app. Uh, you can easily find 1 Kings there. Plus, by the way, we have our daily devotion on there. So every week we go through a devotion together as a church. If you don't get that, sign up for the email updates. We'll make sure you get that. But today, you know, it's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to just want to quit and give up. So today, I want to talk to you about having a possibility mindset. Not a positive mindset, but a possibility mindset. And we're going to learn this from this guy named Elijah. So 1 Kings chapter 19, if you're new to the scriptures, let me kind of bring you up to date of what's happening here. So Elijah is one of the great, he is the goat. He is the greatest of all time. He is one of the greatest prophets Israel has ever known. Like when Jesus goes up on the mountain and they have the mountain of transfiguration, Moses and Elijah appeared. That's how uh, top level this guy is. So Elijah has just had this incredible victory, over, overwhelmed all the prophets of Baal. They, they gathered on Mount Carmel and they prayed and the prophets of Baal prayed, nothing happened. And, and then Elijah prays and fire, one of the most insane, crazy miracles in all of scripture, if you've never read it, fire falls from heaven, burns up the altar, and then uh, Elijah just destroys these prophets of Baal. So he has this incredible victory. Like he's like, yeah, I'm the man. And then suddenly the queen of Israel, uh, her name is Jezebel, she doesn't like this. And she puts a bounty out on Elijah's head and he then runs for his life. So he's on the run, he runs into the wilderness. He's so discouraged, he's so distraught, he just sits down and he says, I just wanna die. Just let me, you ever been there? Like, I just want, just kill me dead right now. That's how bad it is. But then it says an angel came, strengthened him, and then he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights and he went to Mount Sinai, which is, which is the mountain of God. And when he gets there, he hides out in this cave, okay? And so at verse, um, let's go to verse uh, nine. Start in verse nine. It says this, Jesus, or excuse me, Jesus, the Lord says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And so Elijah says, well, I've zealously served the Lord Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, true, torn down their, your altars, true, killed every one of your prophets, not true, we'll find that out. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. So God says to him, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And there's this credible portion of scripture here where there's a, a wind and there's an earthquake and, there, and there's a fire, and then Elijah goes out and he stands before God. And then again, the voice says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah repeats it all over again. You know, I've zealously served you. People of Israel broken the covenant, torn down the altars, killed your prophets. I'm the only one left. And then, then the Lord says to him this, go back, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, 
I want you to anoint Haziel to be king of Aram, then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat. Boy, anybody want to help me with these names here? With Shaphat from the town of Abel Mehilah, which is just outside of uh, Bristow, I believe. <laughs> I don't know. These things are so hard to pronounce. Oh, man. He says, I want you to pray for him, or excuse me, I want you to anoint him as my prophet. And then he says, anyone who escapes you're going to kill them dead, okay? They're going to be killed dead. And then in verse 18, yet I will preserve, here it is, 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. In other words, you're not, you're not, all, you're not alone. Turn to somebody tell them, you're not, you're not alone. So today, I want to talk to you for a few minutes here about a possibility mindset. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for these moments we have together in these neighborhood gatherings, and I pray that we find encouragement from one another. And I, I know for many of us, we have distractions right now, so pray against distractions. But if there's a moment in this message that you, you want somebody to hear, God, I pray in that moment they're going to hear it. Now you're going to draw their attention to that phrase or that, that word or that scripture, and they're going to write that down, and it's going to carry them to a possibility mindset in Jesus' name. And everybody, wherever you are gathered, said... Amen. Well, I think every kid has got a dream. I don't know if you, when you were a kid, if you had a dream of something you wanted to become. But when I was a little boy, I wanted to be on the radio. I loved listening to the radio, and I wanted to be on the radio. And when I was in high school, I saw my dream become a reality. When I got a job in the small town we lived in at a small town radio station, small frequency, they had like no budget, it, 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 but, but I got a job and I was working there. And when I say we had no budget, say, let me tell you about one of the worst radio station contests in the history of radio contests. We were giving away six packs of Orange Crush. <laughs> That's it. We had no budget. So we were giving away six packs of Orange Crush. And, and what you had to do is you had to know the phrase that pays, you know, like, and, and I think, and I don't really remember what that phrase that pays was. It was something like, you know, I love KCLU, now give me my Orange Crush or something like that. And so, we, you know, the old deal, you know, call, caller number 10 right now, gonna win that six pack of Orange Crush. Call now and give us the phrase that pays. And so I, we were doing this contest and, and I just thought, nobody's going to call. Nobody's going to want this orange crush. So I'm like, I ain't doing 10th caller. I'm going to do third caller. Okay, so I'm, I'm at this point, I'm in high school. And so I'm like, hey, third caller right now, you know the phrase that pays, you're going to win a six-pack of orange crush. And I sit back and I wait. And I wait. The switchboard is not lighting up. No one is calling I wouldn't even call. But no one is no one wants this orange crush. And and the record, you know, it's like it's like halfway done. I realize the timer's clicking down and I, I gotta do something here. And so I have this brilliant idea. I call up my girlfriend. Okay. And, and at the time, my girlfriend was Laura, who is now my wife. So you can you can check with her, she'll verify this story. And the song is getting ready to end, and I just said to her, I said, listen, your name is Kathy, and the phrase that pays is, I love KCLU, now give me my orange crush. And she's like, wait, what? What do you, what? I said, your name is Kathy, and the phrase that pays is, I love KCLU, now give me my orange crush. And she's like, okay, whatever. And I, so I get, I, I click and get on air, and I'm on air, and I'm like, hey, 94 KCLU, who's this? And she's like, um, this is Kathy. <laughs> 
I'm like, hey, Kathy, how you doing today? She's like, I'm good. Um, I say, hey, you know the phrase that pays? And she's like, yes, um, I, I love you. No, KCLU. No, I love KCLU. I love you too, baby. Uh, but she said, I love KCLU. And now, um, uh, could I have some Orange Crush? Did I win some Orange Crush? I'm like, close enough. You win. <laughs> the worst radio contest ever. To, to say that I was embarrassed would be an understatement. To be honest with you, as, as a young man, uh, I, I was pretty discouraged by that moment. It was interesting how that one moment, it, it, my, all my dreams, all my hopes just kind of blew up in that moment because I began to think, well, gosh, like nobody's listening. And if nobody's listening, maybe, maybe I'm not any good at this. Maybe, maybe I should go and do something else. It's interesting that Orange Crush almost crushed my dreams. We all have hopes and dreams and aspirations, things that we are believing for. And it is so easy to have those dreams crushed by the smallest thing. So here's Elijah. Elijah in scripture, huge success at Mount Carmel. He's the, he's the goat. Everything's going great. Now suddenly the queen puts a bounty out on his head and now suddenly he's on the run. It's in times like this that a, that a positive mindset just won't cut it. Because a positive mindset, the reason it doesn't work when you're discouraged is because a positive mindset is based on feelings, how I'm feeling. And feelings are fickle. You might want to write that down. Feelings are fickle fickle. So what's going to happen is when you are discouraged and you're distraught, you're not going to be able to think positive. So I, I want to submit to you today that I believe that God doesn't want us to have a positive mindset. I believe God wants us to have a possibility mindset because a possibility mindset isn't based on feelings. Not how I feel. It's based on faith. In, in other words, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what I see, I still choose to believe. Come on, turn to somebody in your neighborhood gathering and say, I still choose to believe. I still choose to believe. That's what a possibility mindset is all about. So here's Elijah. And in this story, we're going to see how we move from a pessimistic mindset to a possibility mindset. Look again at, at verse 9, where it says, there he came to a what? Say it with me. A cave where he spent the night. Elijah's headed for Mount Sinai, which is called the mountain of God. But instead of running to God, he runs to this cave. Now, now Elijah's cave, I don't believe was just for physical protection. Yes, it was, but not just that. I believe it was also about his, about emotional, mental, it was even psychological for him. He was, he was withdrawing within himself. In other words, he was, he was giving up. And the truth is, when, when we have been hurt, when we are confused or frustrated, when, when we face opposition, the tendency, like Elijah, is to head for the cave. We, we withdraw within ourselves. We kind of go to this, this dark place of self-preservation. We become, become kind of numb. We kind of get to this place where we just give up, where we, where we lose hope. When that happens, listen, you got to get out of the cave. You got to get out of the cave because caves are graves. I want you to write that down because that's so important for you to remember. Caves are 
Graves. So I'm a big Johnny Cash fan. I, I love Johnny Cash, and he's such an icon. He goes beyond country music, and he's just, you know, I mean, he's just so, so I iconic, you know. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames get much higher. It burns, burns, burns. Anybody? The ring of fire. Yeah, okay, right, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> I, you name it, cry, 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 hey, Porter, uh, Folsom Prison. I love, I love it all. And I, a couple years ago, I read his autobiography because I just, I, I just love Johnny Cash. And I did not realize how difficult his life was. I had heard some of the stories, but I had no idea how difficult it was. See, Johnny Cash was a music icon and was one of the most popular people on the planet in the 50s and 60s. I mean, everybody loved Johnny Cash, but he was going so much that he was having trouble sleeping, so he began taking pills to try to stay awake because he was, he was at that point, driving from town to town in a car, and he said, I, you know, I could die, so I need to stay awake, so he started popping pills, and then he, he got addicted to those pills, and then he just he sent him into a tailspin. His marriage got in trouble. He got addicted. He got in trouble. Uh, his concerts weren't going as well. Record sales started falling off. It got so bad that, that Johnny Cash decided he was going to commit suicide. But he didn't really want to commit suicide because he had Christian values in, in, in his life, and he knew that wasn't the right thing to do. So he said, you know, I'm just going to crawl into a cave. So he went to this, this cave just in, in Tennessee, and this is, a, this is a picture of the actual cave, They've uh, since flooded it out. You can't go in the cave, but this is the cave. And he said, I walked into this cave and I just kept going as deep as I could until it got so dark I couldn't see anything. And I just laid down and I planned to die. And he said it was in that cave is where his life turned around. In fact, this is a quote from his autobiography. He says this, the absolute lack of light was appropriate. For at that moment, I was as far from God as I had ever been. I thought I'd left him, but, but he hadn't left me. I didn't believe it at first. I felt something very powerful, a sensation of utter peace, clarity, and sobriety. I couldn't understand it. How after being awake for so long and driving my body so hard and taking so many pills, dozens of them, scores, even hundreds, could I possibly feel all right? The feeling persisted, though, and then my mind started focusing on God. Ah, so good. His mind started focusing on God. There in Nickajack Cave, I became conscious of a very clear, simple idea. I was not in charge of my destiny. I was not in charge of my own death. I was going to die God's time, not mine. I hadn't prayed over my decision to seek death in the cave, but that hadn't stopped God from intervening. The cave woos us. It, it beckons us to come and, and, and to give in to the darkness. And the enemy wants to make you comfortable in the cave. He wants to make you comfortable in the darkness. He comes and he just kind of puts his arm around you and he's like, hey, you know what? It's, a, it's okay. It's, it's, it's pretty bleak out there. It's, you know, it's just, you know, it's wasted effort. You don't need... You, just, just, just come on in. There, there's a reason why they post warning signs at caves, in, at the entrance to a cave. Because they're dark 
and because you can easily get lost in them. Don't get comfortable in that cave because caves are graves. Come on, turn to somebody in your neighborhood gathering, tell them caves are graves. Caves are graves. So Elijah, he's, he's getting comfortable and God called to him and God also calls to us from the cave. And go back to verse nine. The Lord said to him this, say this with me. What are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here, Elijah? I can tell you, that's not what I want to hear when I'm in a cave. I, I don't want God to say that. I, I want God to join me in my cave. I, I've got a friend of mine and his, his kids, he reads to them at night and uh, they have what they call snuggle time. I'm like, oh, that's so great. And he said uh, the other night, one of, one of his boys, he got up in the top bunk with him and they got a book and he said, dad, can we have snuggle time? And he's like, yeah, we can. And so his son just kind of tucked in under his arm and just kind of snuggled in like, oh, that just, that sound great. That's what I want God to do for me. I want to have snuggle time with God. But the book I want him to read for me is the book of pessimism. That's what I want him to do. I, I want him to join me in my misery. God will not join you in the cave of pessimism, but he will meet you there. A few weeks ago, I was talking about Lazarus, and if you're new to church and new to the scriptures, uh, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, and he had gotten sick, and they called for Jesus to come. He was in another town, and, and when Jesus arrived, Lazarus had died. And everyone was weeping and mourning. And it says that Jesus wept. And I, I love that image of God because when you're hurting and when you're struggling, we know through scripture that Jesus struggles with us. He meets us there. He won't join us, but he will, he will meet us there. And then I, I like what the story says is, 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 is this idea of, of weeping. And I think the reason that Jesus was weeping over Lazarus, and I think the reason that God weeps over us is because that's not where you belong. You weren't created for the cave. And so when God sees you there, he weeps over that because that's not how he created you or what he wants for you. And what I like is that then Jesus goes to the tomb. And I love this picture here because that means in the same way that God came for Johnny Cash in that cave, God comes for us in our cave. But what's interesting in the story you'll see is that he didn't go into the cave and sit with Lazarus. He didn't sit with him in the stench and in the death, and in the darkness, and in the cold. No, no, no. He called Lazarus out of that cave, and I think that's what God wants to do for you, and he does for me. He meets us in that, at that cave entrance, and he calls us out of the cave of pessimism. He calls us out of the cave of misery, out of fear, out of doubt, out of, out of self-hatred, um, out, of, out of anger, out of bitterness. God calls us out of that cave. Don't stay in that cave cave. Come on, turn to somebody, tell them, don't stay in that cave. Don't stay in that cave. So Elijah, he thought his life was over. I mean, remember, he, he, he said, you know, like, uh, <laughs> I'm the only one. And he was ready to die. But God was just getting started. 
what I read earlier in verse 15 and 16, God said to him, no, no, you're not meant for the cave. I'm, you're going to be anointing uh, Haziel. You're going you're gonna to be anointing him. You're going to be anointing uh, Jehu, and you're going to be anointing uh, Elisha. It, like, you, he's going to take your place. All of these great things I have for you. Listen, you were not created for the cave because caves are graves. God has purposes and plans and destinies and dreams and visions for your life. That's why he is calling you today out of that cave. So how do we move out of the cave? How do we move from pessimism to a possibility mindset? How do we get there from this pessimistic mindset to a possibility mindset? Let's look at verse 11. God says this to Elijah. He says, go out. Everybody say, go out. Go out. Go out and stand before me on the mountain. When you're tempted to retreat back to the cave, go out of that cave and stand before the Lord. I found myself in a cave a couple of weeks ago. You think, man, Brad, you're, you're the preacher, man. You're reading the scriptures. How would you end up in a cave? Because I'm human. Because I'm Elijah, great prophet. Everybody ends up in a cave at one time or another. The crazy thing about my cave was it happened when I was reading the scriptures. See, I get up every morning and I sit at the kitchen table. I eat my breakfast before everybody else gets up and, and, I, and I read scripture. And uh, many of you know that I use the Lord's Prayer as a model. And I, and I journal at the same time. I think journaling's really good. And one of the main reasons I journal is because if I don't, I get distracted. And so, uh, and, and by the way, if you want to use the Lord's Prayer as a model, go to corechurch.com. We have it right there, and you, you can follow the, the same model that I use. And so um, I'm sitting down, and, and as I'm working through it, on page the first page, what I do is I write down um, the high five from the day before. Because I want to give God glory and honor for what he's done in my life. And so I think about five different ways God showed up in my life. And, I just, I just, and so I'm doing great. And then I move to um, how God used me the day before. So then I'll, I'll write down just one, two, maybe three things of uh, God used me here. And, I, and I, I use our core practices for that. You know, we have eight core practices. And so I'll think about, did I serve someone? Was I generous to someone? What about my godly friendships? I think through the encounters that I have and did I do good? And, and I'll write those things down because I want to know, has God been using me? And then, and then I read a psalm. So a psalm is one of my practices. A great way to worship is in the psalms. And, and I'll usually focus on one verse. So I'll pick a verse out and I'll, I'll write down a sentence about that verse. And and then I go to the Proverbs, okay? So now I'm still on page one of my journal and I get to the Proverbs and I read the proverb that corresponds with the date on the calendar. And then I'll look at one of those Proverbs and I'll just write a sentence about it. And it's when I hit the Proverb that the, the cave began to woo me. While you're reading scripture, the enemy will come to you and he wants to get you off track. And, and, and what it is, it triggered something in me because there's something in my life personally that I'm believing for. It's something that's a, it's a dream that God's given, and, and honestly, it's train wrecked. It's, it's, not, it's not going anywhere. And the enemy just came to me and, and, and used the scripture and twisted it and said, uh, yeah, that's never going to happen. Uh, that's not, and, and I just began to go into this cave, and I began to get angry and honestly pretty bitter. And I was so, I began to get so, I'm reading this Bible and I'm getting so frustrated and angry and I'm just all twisted up inside. And all I hear God say is what he said to Elijah. What are you doing here? 
what are you doing here? See, because when I go to page two of my journal, I use our, our um, daily devotion that you, you get through email, the same one you get, I use every day. And, and I, it, I'll read a chapter from the Old Testament or a chapter from the New Testament, depending on how it corresponds with that daily devotion. But I couldn't get to page two because I just got stuck in the cave. And honestly, it was through sheer grit and determination that I said, I am going to get to page two. And the reading that day was from John 10, and I got to verse 10 of John 10, and it says this. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And right in that moment, I heard God speak to me and say, do you see what the enemy's trying to do right now, Brad? He's, he's trying to steal that dream from you. He, he wants to kill it. Not just kill it, but he wants to destroy any hopes of it ever being resurrected and anything good coming from that. And then I read on. It was like Jesus was speaking over me. My purpose, Brad, is to give you a rich and satisfying life. You know what I hate about the Bible? It's just not relatable. Like, I understand why people don't read it, because, you know, it's just this antiquated, old, ancient book. It doesn't relate to today. <laughs> I mean, the enemy had wooed me, but God began to speak over me. Hey, I know it looks bleak. I know it looks difficult, but guess what? That dream you have, I promise you, Brad, that dream, it is going to be rich, and it is going to be satisfying, and suddenly I found the strength to walk out of that cave. When you feel stuck... You got to get out of that cave. Go stand before the Lord. Put down the book of pessimism and pick up the book of promises. That's how you're going to walk out of that cave. So he tells him to go out. And then the second thing he tells him in verse 15 is go back. Everybody in your neighborhood gathering say, go back. Go back. Go back the same way you came. Now, I, uh, I haven't graduated up yet to uh, Bluetooth headphones. I still use the good corded ones. Anybody with me still got the corded ones? Uh, and I'm, I'm done with them. I, I'm completely done with them because I don't know how you are, but they, you ever get them, they get tangled up. No matter how you wind them up, no matter how perfectly you put them away in a bag somewhere, you take them out and somehow in the middle of the night, they just kind of, I don't know if they got in a tangled fight. I don't know if they got upset. I don't know if they tried to crawl out, but they get all tangled up. Have you ever gotten them so, and here's the thing, I'm going to be honest, when they get tangled, I'm like, ah, eh, good enough, I can still, you know, get them in my ears, I'll, I'll fix it later. You ever been there? I'll fix it later. You ever get to the point where it's so tight that it looks like oxygen across your face? You know, it's, it's basically going like this across your face. Like, <laughs> like people are like, don't go near that, don't smoke near that man, don't smoke, it's just that looks bad. You know, I mean, it's so frustrating to untangle. It's so frustrating to untangle the mess. Listen, the enemy will come at you with half-truths and, and he will twist and knot you up in nothing but lies until you are in a tangled mess and you can no longer hear the truth. This is Elijah. He's all tangled up in his head. He was very, very pessimistic. I'm the only one left. 
kill me dead. I just want to die now. I mean, he's so pessimistic. He needed a new mindset. And I love this. God gave him a possibility mindset. God gave him a vision, a vision to anoint kings, a vision to anoint prophets. He's, God's like, I got big plans for you. And this is what God, God says. I, listen, God has big plans and dreams for you as well, but you, you got to go back. You got to go back and you got to do some untangling. Like you got to retrain your brain. You, you got you to detangle and undo all of that pessimistic thinking that you've been doing and you got to start feeding on and listening to the possibilities from Scripture. You need to be in a core group. You need to be around people who are going to speak possibility over you. You got to retrain your brain. Turn to somebody and tell them, retrain your brain. Retrain your brain. Think about this. Elijah, he went into the cave with a pessimistic mindset, but he came out with a possibility mindset. The threat, the threat was still very real. The queen was coming after him, but the possibilities, they outweighed the threat. Nothing was going to stop him. He began to walk out into possibilities. Like he began to walk in confidence. Like you see this, he gets there and he's like, he's taking steps, he sees the light, he's gaining confidence. He goes and he sees the king of Aram, uh, Hazael, and he says, hey, I'm gonna anoint you king. And then he goes to the next town. He's in Israel, he sees Jehu, he anoints him. He sees Jay-Z, he anoints him. He, he didn't anoint Jay-Z, but he's, 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 it's going, man. He's gaining confidence. He sees Elijah, or excuse me, Elisha in a field. He's like, wow, he's got a name just like mine. Rhymes like mine. Everybody for years and years, thousands of years are going to get the two of us mixed up. This guy is so amazing. He gets so excited. He just, he didn't even go to him. He just throws his coat on him. Boom. He goes Benny Hinn on him. He just gets so excited. He's got so much confidence in this moment. This is what God wants to do for you as you walk out of your cave. You're going to gain confidence with each step you take. A little bit more light is going to shine on you. As you get into the scriptures, the possibilities are going to rise up within you. As you shed pessimism and take on possibility, you're going to walk into the dreams and the visions and the things that God has for you. And you don't walk alone, by the way. Jesus walks with you. And remember, they put him in a cave. But that grave could not hold him, and it cannot hold you. Like, he walked out of his cave into glory. He can walk you out of your cave into glory. So what cave are you in? Remember, caves are graves. You got to walk out of that cave.